Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's See what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you and welcome, Susan. Hello, everyone. This is Sarah Ellen. Um, Susan has not uh, dialed in to join us yet this evening, so I want to welcome everyone who is here with us and um, let you know that as soon as, as soon as Susan gets here, I will make sure to open her line and. Um, 
of course, have her join us on the show. Um, I guess until she arrives, I can let you know. Oh, here we go. Got Susan's hand. Hey, Sarah Ellen. Welcome, Susan. Hi. Welcome. I hope we can stay connected. We're in the middle of a big thunderstorm here. Oh, wow. Well, I hear you loud and clear right now. Okay, good. Lightning and thunder and rain. Oh, so wonderfully exciting. Don't we love it? Oh, I do. I do. (laughs) Yes. I also love the women who are going to be our guests tonight. And uh, that is Astrid Grove and Leela Parker. Both of them are past apprentices. And I think they met here, and they say that they felt an instant, deep, and profound sisterhood, and that was over 20 years ago. They've been working and playing together ever since. Um, They uh, both have some midwifery experience, and they delivered each other's babies. They... um, were both initiated by, by me as Green Witches. I just did some Green Witch initiations this past weekend at our Green Witch holiday. And they have decided that they want to offer an apprenticeship opportunity, a year-long apprenticeship into the skills of living in sisterhood as daughters of the earth. They're calling it the Wise Woman Sisterhood, and they'll be here at 9 o'clock tonight to talk about the Wise Woman Sisterhood, what they're doing, and to share news of their lives. Only so happy to talk to past apprentices who are preserving and promoting, protecting, and nourishing women's culture. Wow. I love Astrid. She's so amazing. I've gotten to know her more through the Comfrey Conference and then through the teleseminars. So, wow, sounds like an amazing offering. I'm excited to hear them tonight. Me too. What's up with you and your goats and your plants? Mm, Well, things, this is the time of year where the days are really long and time is really short. So um, way more on the to-do list than is getting done. And uh, the goats are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, And we're going to be castrating the boy here and having him become a weather pretty soon, um, probably in the next week. And I've been enjoying the daylilies a lot. Um, I found out they taste really good with peanut butter, just by happenstance. I was eating some water. Oh, wow, daylilies and peanut butter, yum. For everybody who does not know what we're talking about, the wild lily here is a daylily, which means a lily that blooms only for one day, but there's numerous uh, lilies, so they put on quite a show, and they're extraordinary this year, really putting on a great show this year. And they are edible. Any lily that blooms upward is edible. Ones that bloom to the side or down are not. And they, the dried um, spent flowers are sold in Chinese markets. They're used in soups, to thicken soups. 
and to get some antioxidant and anti-inflammatory agents. And the most interesting thing that I ever learned about daylilies was from a Chinese herbalist who said that they believe that if a woman has a propensity to breast cancer, that she should go out every morning that the daylilies are blooming. And at dawn, pick the first blossom that looks like it's going to unfurl. You don't want to wait until it actually opens up. You just look at the buds and you wait until one of those buds opens just a little bit and you eat that. And that is supposed to prevent you from getting breast cancer. Hmm. What a wow. lovely idea. Mhm. Mhm. And they're they're actually like they're tasty. I just find myself every time I walk by, I will take one petal, and they're really just pleasant. And um, I, I yeah, I'm grateful that our new home came with lots of daylilies. <laughs> Crunchy, sweet. Make beautiful mandalas in our salads. Mm, hmm. I was thinking what fun they could be on, like some type of, like peanut butter thing with kids. If I was making something, and then like you know, they could be like tongues sticking out or something. <laughs> oh yes! Oh, how fun! <laughs> <laughs> oh, mm. yeah, they're very happy flowers. And I always remember I always remember the sacred sex workshop where Marie and I decided to put two day daylily blossoms per person in the salad. And they really are edible. The whole plant is edible but laxative. And two flowers mm-hmm. was too much. Oh wow. I've never eaten two whole flowers. It's, it's, I don't mm-hmm. even think I've probably eaten a whole just a petal at a time, so several petals a day, maybe. Mm. <laughs> I learned about its laxative qualities because many books about wild plants suggest eating daylily roots and shoots. And the roots are good. You know, they're kind of like crunchy and nutty and nice, but they're terrifically laxative, and the shoots are tasty too, kind of like bamboo shoots. And they are mildly laxative, and the flowers are not usually laxative unless you decide to eat too many. Mm. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm grateful I have need a little help in that direction. Hey, Daylily makes it easy. Hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, thank you for the reminder. I, I don't need any any extra of that. I like staying just where I'm at. Nice harmony. Yes, where you're at. A little at a time sounds perfect. We had an amazing time up at Herb Hill with Gretchen Gould. Mm. All the green witches for a green witch holiday. Up to Gretchen's on Saturday. And Justine went with Monica Jean too. And videoed Gretchen and I in conversation about Hypericum. Wow! Yay! Oh, we got about oh my. We got about we got about forty five minutes of really good material, and Gretchen saying that Hypericum was her best friend. Oh, so marvelous! Just we had a great time there, and it was wonderful to be with Gretchen. 
I know that her love of Hypericum is profound and deep and has been going on for decades. I harvested Hypericum at Gretchen's Herb Hill, and oh my goodness, amazing. That was the first time I ever was around Hypericum, and I had it on all day. It was a super sunny day. I did not get any sunburn, and got to make my own oil. It was so lovely. And had lunch with you and Gretchen, their apprentices. <laughs> so I only imagine what I'm here we are still doing it. Yeah. Is her cat still yeah. around? Her cat? Yeah. Was there a cat at Urpil? She had a cat then that she was, it's probably not around because she was tending to that cat so lovingly, um, giving fluids and all, but she'd been doing it for a while. And, yeah, it was there, but inside. I don't think, yeah, I don't know. I don't think yeah. it's still there. Okay. Yeah, I just was amazed at how she made time for this loved kitty, too. And she had so much going on. With all the, oh, it's amazing there. Mm-hmm. What else went on in Weekend? What else went on the Greenwich Weekend? Well, Thursday, we sang and we got to know each other. We did a Tai Chi class together. And um, we learned how to stand in our power. We went for a walk in the woods with the goats down to the river. And then I did a teleseminar Thursday evening on herbal abortion, past, present, and future. And the only difficult thing about that um, was the wise woman spirals who takes care of things getting in touch with me and saying, what shall we do? There's far too many people who want to come to this event. Mm. But we had a plan A and a plan B and a plan C, and I think it all worked out just fine. At this, As of this morning, I think that nearly 500 uh, women had either attended or downloaded the recording. Wow. Wow. And the anonymous mm. midwife that I spoke with has decades of experience working with herbs and helping women to um, be fertile in ways they wish to be fertile. Wow. That was a very it's interesting been, conversation. Yeah, it's been a, a very special focus of mine. Because my life would have been very different. I had carried to term every pregnancy that I had. Mm. And I talk about that. And it's still available. I think you go to the Wise Woman Bookshop. Dot com, and I'm pretty sure it's a really inexpensive. So I wanted to um, put something out there that we could 
lean on if we needed it. Obviously, a medical abortion is the very safest and best way to go. But since large areas of women now are being denied the right to that safety, it's important to have the information on less safe but just as effective ways available. And the midwife I was talking to um, went into great detail about how to use the drugs that are available and herbs that are available together for the best success. I thought that was really quite fascinating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was Thursday night, and then Friday we continued our time with the goats and we studied plant families. And we had a moon lodge on Friday night. And Saturday we went to um, Herb Hill and we came back and had a wonderful dinner. And then we did our goddess archetype presentations. And Sunday was our um, high magic ritual and green witch initiations and a final talking stick and goodbyes. It went so fast. I bet you did. Wow. So magical. Mm-hmm. I remember Sunday the most. That in Herb Hill. Sunday was just, oh, it was so magical. Getting dressed for that, and oh, that was, mm, wow. That was that was one of my first ceremonies, and it was just really profound. It's such a beautiful walk through the woods up to the ritual area. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That alone, and just the line of women walking through the woods singing as we go never fails to bring me to tears. Each woman's oh, well. beauty. And, you know, we've spent the night before presenting our goddess archetypes, and so we're really seeing each other as the goddess as we're processing up to the ritual area. Wow. <laughs> and I was just uh, telling um, my friend that this is the only four-day workshop left when we first started doing workshops here at the Wise Women's Center in 1979. All of the workshops were four-day workshops. Oh, wow. So all the weekend workshops? All, all workshops were four-day workshops, and they were residential. And they wow. Weren't all this, they weren't because it was um, the three of us, and we were we wanted to offer a host of options to women. You know, carpentry skills, uh, just a lot of things. And, um, oh, my goodness, big bird just flew past my window. Um. And this is like one of the last of the four-day workshops. As you say, my other workshops are like one-day workshops or a week-long workshop. Mm -hmm. It's a a nice period of time to be together, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It works very nicely. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because of one thing or another, all of these women wound up coming in Wednesday night, so we even had a little extra time together. Oh, so nice. And the time of year. And this is like, I love this time of year. For me, I absolutely feel like the beginnings of fall. It's hard to believe, but like the light is different. It is different. And like the vitality in the plants has, like I can tell the needle has like passed the the point of solstice. It's so amazing. And and I I just love it. Yes, it's still summer. We're not saying it isn't summer. It's hot and the days are still long. But if you're sensitive to it, you can really feel that the plants have reached their high point of photosynthesis and are slowly going down the other side. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the insects that have started their daytime chorus that weren't there before solstice, it's so interesting. I just love it. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Do we have anybody with their hand raised tonight? Uh, no hands up yet. So I will remind everyone listening that if you have a question tonight for Susan, you need to press 1 so that we can see your hand and you can get yourself lined up in the queue. Um, I see a hand that has come up from the three. Oh, we've got three hands that have been raised uh, by pressing that number 1. And the 330 area code is our first caller. From the 330, you are live with Susan. Hello, and thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and just really showing up and just being here for sisters and brothers. Um, It's just, I'm so very grateful. Uh, If possible, I have two questions this evening. But um, first one most urgent my um my three year old daughter double hit with a uh, yellow jacket this evening, and we um we got a plantain spit poultice on it almost immediately um, she she knows to do that too so mommy, I need the plantain, so I just thought that was so precious um however, this is her first time with any sort of wasp or anything like that and i i'm just wondering other than the the plantain is that something that we should just keep continuing is there anything i can do to soothe the the imminent itch that's going to happen and just kind of help her out so it's not as as terrible as it could be well the thing that soothes itches best is plantain great so you're definitely on the right track. My experience has been that when plantain is put on a sting as quickly as you had an opportunity to do it, that often it doesn't itch. Oh, good. The other thing that I find really important, it's not always possible, but it is really important, is to be still after you get stung. Mm, great. The venom, of course, circulates. 
and the more you move around, the greater an area the venom will be in touch with, and thus the greater an area will be affected by histamine release. Mm. Okay. So if it's possible after you're stung, and not just by flying things, but by scorpions or even a snake bite, if at all possible, if you can just sit down, mm-hmm. that's not always possible because sometimes you're stung because you've like blundered into a nest and they're all flying at you and trying to kill you and you've got to run away. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and do. <laughs> Don't sit down mm-hmm. and let yourself be stung. But if there's a possibility, and it sounds like this, what, that there was a possibility that it wasn't a whole nest of them, um, to just sit down for a period of five minutes or so and give the histamine a chance to just localize and go right to the area where the sting is. Great. Yeah. Excellent. I feel my intuition has been validated because that's exactly what what we uh, did and uh, continued right. on to rest. Yeah, you. So the, to let the plantain do its thing and stay put. So yeah. that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, a thought is, I mean, if there were to be any sort of um, anaphylaxis or any reaction to that, it would have already happened, correct? Oh, yeah, you bet. Okay. All right. Sounds good. It happens pretty quickly. Okay. I was stung once in the armpit by an emerging wasp yellow jacket. I still don't actually know exactly what it was. It was in my shirt. And I picked up my shirt and put it on, and it stung me in the armpit because mm-hmm. it was inside the shirt. And I didn't think a lot about it because I'm not very reactive to stings. I mean, it hurts, you know, I'm going ow, ow, ow and jumping up and down. I'm not saying I don't feel it. I sure do. But I didn't think much of it. But about 10 minutes later, I suddenly realized that I was having a hard time breathing. Hmm. I said, wow, look at that. And I had, you know, an, an herb that helped to relieve that. Um, I know lots of people who carry plantain with them as well as um, an EpiPen because mm. they find in most instances the plantain works well enough that they don't have to use their EpiPen. Wow. How wonderful. Yeah, so that's even for people who do get a really big histamine reaction. Okay. Yay, plantain, our friend. Definitely, yes. Yeah. So my other question is um, in regards to this seven-foot-tall wild lettuce plant that I have um, just perked up in my um, front flower bed and is saying, hey, use me, use me. And... I I have made wild lettuce tincture before um, with your method of um, the 
50% alcohol, and I didn't, in the fresh plant material, and I'm not sure if it just is not for me, but I didn't find um, much use for it. And I'm just wondering if maybe I should try a, a different method, or what's the best way to make medicine with wild lettuce? When you say you didn't find a use for it, I'm a little unclear as to whether you mean that you didn't didn't find any reason to use it or didn't find it useful. I didn't find it very effective. I didn't find it um, to be sedating or pain relieving for me personally, and I didn't because of that. I didn't let anyone else or suggest anyone else to use it. Um, Do you know what kind of wild lettuce you have? I have not um, fully identified. I I know that it is Lactuca something. I I don't. um, It it does have prickles. Uh, It's got little little spikies on the bottom, but it's not, you know, painful to touch or anything uh, along the the bottom. uh, And when it flowers, it's about how tall? Um, I would call this five to six feet tall in flower. Um, yeah, and it's got the, the yellow uh, flowers that will eventually go to the fluff, um, the seeds. Yes, that way of life for the asters to make fluffy <laughs> <laughs> they all do it. They're so beautiful. And um, my experience with wild lettuce has been that there's a particularly big one mm-hmm. that has a lot of white sap. Mm-hmm. And when you break the leaf, white sap runs out of it. I've seen it flower at 10 to 12 feet, although it doesn't always get that tall. Six to eight is probably more usual. And everything else, you know, like you're saying, you know, it's prickly. It has the yellow flower that has a lot of white sap, and it's bitter. Yes. Extremely bitter. Some of them, some of the wild lettuces are so mild you can eat them. Oh, no. Not this one. This one's bitter. And it's, it's very So the more bitter they are, with... the more effective it's supposed to be. And okay. it's the sap that's supposed to be effective. And the interesting thing about pain-killing herbs is sometimes they're more effective at lower doses. Hmm. I was experimenting with California poppy, and I wasn't finding, like you, that it relieved pain or made me sleepy or anything like that. And I was talking to somebody, and she said, well, how much are you taking? I said, a dropper. So she said, try taking three drops. Mm-hmm. And it was indeed much more effective. Okay. So those are a few things to think about with wild lettuce. Mm-hmm. It's not related to opium poppy. 
that there are opium-like alkaloids in the wild lettuce, supposedly. Sports players are cautioned not to eat lettuce when they're going to be tested for drugs. Hmm. Because there can be enough opium-like alkaloids even in commercial lettuce, which, after all, was developed from wild lettuce mm-hmm. to ruin their drug test. <laughs> so continue your efforts to um, see how to get it to work best for you. Okay, so you would suggest a 50% alcohol tincture of fresh material to use it. I generally find that tinctures made in vodka, 100-proof vodka, are extractive of both water-soluble and alcohol-soluble constituents in the plant. Yes. I don't use 50% grain alcohol and 50% water. No. Okay. So when you're saying 50%, that's what it sounds like. I understand. No, I I have been a a large fan of yours for a while, and I keep 100-proof vodka in the cabinet at all times. Okay. This I figured that's what you were saying, but since people are listening and maybe don't know, it's worthwhile uh, being sure. clear about what. All right, then. Thanks for your questions. Green blessings. Good night. Thank you, Susan. Good night. Green blessings. All right, and it looks like we have two callers that have pressed one to raise their hand. If you have a question for Susan this evening, you need to press one to get yourself lined up in the queue as well. Our next caller has dialed in from the 541 area code. From the 541, you are live with Susan. Hello. Good evening. Hi. What's up tonight? Mm -hmm. So I have some ongoing, what I think is gastrointestinal issues. Um, They started about a year ago in August. I swam in a river here in Oregon that um, is kind of known for having giardia. And so I, um, I saw my Western doctor and they prescribed me with, after a couple months of chronic nausea and diarrhea um, and testing me for so many things, blood work and stool samples, um, all of which came back fairly normal. There were some that showed some inflammation, but the um, stool samples showed no, you know, um, it didn't confirm giardia, but after months of the symptoms, they suggested just taking the antibiotics anyway. And I'm not quick to do it, but eventually I did out of desperateness, and it didn't cure the symptoms. So um, one thing I learned 
in the process of all the blood work was that I have something called selective IgA, which is a, I don't make immunoglobulin A. And so my immune system is, you know, compromised. Um, and I don't know how um, or if that's related to my new chronic state. But um, I've seen immunologists and gastroenterologists and, you know, I don't fully take that route because I'm, I was raised by hippies and not going to the doctor and not immunized and not any of that stuff. So I, I just feel kind of lost. And so here I am calling you. Um, Could you tell me what your symptoms are? I'm still totally lost. I haven't heard a word about what you're really Uh, feeling or experiencing. Oh, nausea and diarrhea every, pretty much every morning. Like this, it feels so much like a hangover, even though I haven't been able to drink at all, at all. Like, um, so when it you wake up like, in the morning, you feel like you have a hangover, yeah. you have a headache, you're nauseated, and you have diarrhea. Is the diarrhea yeah. um, every day, and if so, how frequent? Um, I would say I can count on one hand in the last 11 months how, um, like, that I've had a fully normal stool, which for me before this, like, I have good poops. Um and and it varies from one to you know at most like seven times in a day, and and it's not like complete liquid. It, it's all the ones that you know are below the if you like the chart of regular poops. It's like all it varies in in form, but it's never a great. If you does that make sense? So you're saying that your bowel movement is not liquid. That it is it's formed, like, but it's frequent. It's not formed, no. But it's not it's like... It's not formed. It's not formed, no. And it's not, you know, that normal, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. It's that diarrhea feeling, like not uh, like a light feeling or a upset feeling in my stomach and then an urgency like an, an almost an anxious feeling it's in the stomach and then nauseated feeling. Is there any yeah. burping? Nope. And I haven't thrown up. Giardia almost always announces itself with sulfurous burps. Right. That's what my mom said. <laughs> um it's, yeah. it's so it's so common as to be diagnostic. Mhm. So, yeah, I don't know why the doctors. This, this is sounding more like food poisoning. Uh huh. Yeah, it feels. And like, um, so, tell me a little bit about your diet. Um. So, we eat mostly organic. I eat meat. Um. I've never experimented a whole lot with cutting things out and you know I've just been more of the mind that if I'm feeling a lacking I add things rather than take away we eat lots of veggies we have a big garden um Mm -hmm. I was raised mostly vegetarian um what else so recently which included milk eggs and fish yes Mm -hmm. we didn't have a whole lot of milk though growing up actually but yeah it was (laughs) 
part of my diet. Um, I recently, you know, so many people in my community who know what I've been dealing with have suggested, of course, so many different diets. And I have experimented with cutting out wheat and dairy. Um, And I, you know, it's hard because it seems like maybe it helps, but I couldn't say for certain like, oh, that was the, that's the problem by any means. Um, but like when I have, really when I have it. experiments, you doubt it. Yeah. I really um, doubt it. And they it's tested just, me, you know, as symptoms far as like not sort of, symptoms of if a person is food. sensitive to wheat, they're getting pain. Uh-huh. And the diarrhea usually is going to alternate with constipation. Uh-huh. Right. And there's a man in Boston, a scientist in Boston, who spent almost 50 years now trying to find somebody who's allergic to dairy and hasn't yet found them. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he puts ads in the paper and he gets, you know, thousands of people coming in who've either been diagnosed with a dairy allergy mm-hmm. or self-diagnosed with a dairy allergy. Mm-hmm. And he gives them, for a certain amount of time, actual milk and then for a certain amount of time something that isn't actual milk mm-hmm. but smells like and tastes like it. And right. they have to a diary of their symptoms. And they always mm-hmm. have fewer symptoms when they're actually drinking the milk. Interesting. I wonder if, you know, if there is something going on like um so there are a few things that the doc that the GI doctor, you know, who of course is pushing a colonoscopy and endoscopy to find out mostly, you know, cancer stomach or stomach cancer being like the least likely thing, but they do have a couple of things that even though they've checked with blood, they want to definitively um, check with this. And one is H. pylori and the other is called microscopic colitis. And so if I wonder if, you know, if I do have something like this, like a bacteria or, you know, some kind of inflammation of my something in there. Everyone has H. pylori in their stomach. When they kill right. H. pylori, so people I have a flare up, get very sick when they kill it. People get very sick when they kill it? Very sick when they give them antibiotics to kill H. pylori. It's an important huh. organism in your stomach. Okay. Yeah, I I mean, I've been so... They test you. So... They will find it. Everyone has it. Right. You haven't told me mm-hmm. much about how you prepare them. Many mm-hmm. people who eat a lot of vegetables are malnourished mm-hmm. because they're not cooking their vegetables. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've started, so you know, average the, whole, length, yep. the average length of time that you would cook a vegetable would be? Um... We do a lot of roasted veggies, and I have started doing my greens um, more for your suggestion, you know, cooking them for a long time within the water that we'll be eating them from. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, but I do, you know, we eat lots of raw veggies, too. I'm so sorry to hear that, especially for you. See, yeah. Absolutely. So no salad, no salad. Why do I feel so drawn to eat them? Yeah. 
fruit too? Here's the deal. The easiest thing to digest is meat. Mm-hmm. We are meat. Meat does not have cell walls. Mm-hmm. So any meat that you eat is immediately digestible and will heal your gut. Any meat, all meat. Any meat, all meat. The next easiest mm-hmm. things to eat are animal foods like eggs, dairy products, things that are very close to the animal because, again, there are no cell walls that she has mm-hmm. to break down. Mm-hmm. So it's food that is easily available to you and very light on the digestive system. This, mm-hmm. These kinds of foods help heal the gut. Any food from a plant origin is difficult to digest because plants contain cell walls. And those Mm -hmm. cell walls are very tough. After all, a wooden chair is made of plant cell walls. A wooden bookshelf Mm -hmm. is made of cell walls. They are hard cell Mm -hmm. walls. So it requires Mm -hmm. that we break those cell walls. If Mm -hmm. we don't, break the cell walls, then we're not getting the nutrition from the plant. A piece of raw fruit isn't going to give us much of anything. A little vitamin C, that's about it. Mm-hmm. A raw vegetable, mm-hmm. similarly, is not going to give us anything. A little vitamin C, maybe some fiber. Mm-hmm. But we're going to miss all of the other vitamins and minerals. Mm-hmm. Does it, what about the, you know, is there like a harm component to the eating the raw or is it just not as nearly as, you know, high nutrition and beneficial? Well, I would say it would probably be more nutritious to eat white sugar than to eat raw food. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Especially Um, for someone with gut issues. Yeah. So do you think someone that with gut issues needs to be eating soups, broths, stews, not baked vegetables? Mm-hmm. Baked vegetables now become even harder to digest unless you're baking them with a cover on them. Mm-hmm. But most people bake them without a cover so they get crispy on the outside, which adds mm-hmm. another layer of difficulty for your body. Slippery Mm -hmm. elm is one of the great healers of the gut. And Mm -hmm. often slippery elm, taken several times a day in any way that's convenient and tasty to you, along Mm -hmm. with a diet of really well-cooked foods, a diet which, at least for a little while, if you want to avoid anything, avoid raw food. Now, Mm -hmm. there are five ways to break the cell wall. We've been talking about sufficient heat for sufficient time. And you can tell when that sufficient heat has been for sufficient time because suddenly the vegetable becomes soft. If it's crisp, it's not cooked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If there's a crunch to it, you're not getting any nutrition. Mm -hmm. So we want to cook our vegetables past that point. For most vegetables, that's about an hour in a small amount of water. Mm Mm-hmm. We can also freeze, so if you want what seems like raw fruit, 
by frozen fruit. Mm -hmm. Fruit has to be harvested green in order to be sold fresh, unless you're getting it at a farmer's market. But if you're getting it at a regular market, it was harvested green, so it'll never have the nutritional content of the frozen fruit, which was harvested Mm -hmm. the day it was ripe. Mm -hmm. Dehydration. It's an excellent way to break the cell wall. It's why we use only dried herbs to make nourishing herbal infusions. And you are mm-hmm. drinking nourishing herbal infusions. Not consistently. I'm just, my friend who's very into herbalism suggested I call. She knows I'm struggling. So I'm just getting into it. I have, I just started reading about your Abundantly Well. And I'm open Comfrey to it all, but Comfrey I'm... Infusion, very... Comfrey leaf infusion is an enormous healer to the gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to start doing my infusions. I'm going to try it. Good idea. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. so glad you have a friend who's helping you. What a delight. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so those, then... those are the simple things that I would suggest. Start drinking your nourishing yeah. herbal infusions. Yes. Start really looking to see if what you're eating has the cell walls broken. Is it frozen? Is it dehydrated? Mm-hmm. Right? Have I cooked mm-hmm. it sufficiently? Is it fermented? Mm-hmm. Which is good or not good? <laughs> Which is has the cell wall broken. Fermentation mm-hmm. breaks the cell wall. Okay. Cooking, freezing, dehydrating, fermenting, and covering in oil. Mm-hmm. So it sounds very clear that the approach you would take with um, somebody like what I'm dealing with is purely through diet. There's, do you do you feel like if um, you had your say dealing with somebody like me fully, would you, you know, the diagnostic stuff is not as important as just focusing on proper nutrition? I don't think the diagnostic stuff is going to do anything except lead you further yeah. astray. Yeah, yeah. At this point. Yeah. And um, unless you think there's some major thing going on that you want them to keep looking for. You know, it was interesting. That's kind of how I felt until I saw the gastroenterologist and when, you know, that was the third doctor I'd seen and they just keep passing me along and I had kind of allowed myself to be at the mercy of just trusting them and then I realized, like, oh, I I don't actually feel good about this. I need to try something else. And, you know, I've never fully found what works for me. You know, homeopathy doesn't really resonate. And I've always been interested in herbalism, but I've, you know, never really dove in. And this, yeah, this feels good, so I'm going to try it. Nausea, especially in the morning, is usually an indication mm-hmm. that your liver wants some help. Mm-hmm. Any bitter herb is going to be a friend to the liver, and of course the closest, handiest bitter herb is dandelion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you live in a place where there's any dandelion growing? Lots. Would it be possible... Yeah. For you to, when you wake up in the morning and feel nauseated, go out and find a dandelion leaf to chew on? Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. See, see what happens if you do that. Okay. 
great. Um, oh, is it okay if I ask one more thing? <laughs> I know I've taken a lot of your time. That's okay. okay. Thank you. Um, as far as that um, accidental diagnostic thing of finding that I am have this selective IgA thing and my immuno, you know, um, like the, having this Im- compromised immune system. Um, I don't think your immune system is compromised. I think your immune system is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. You know, um, one of the one of my like kind of slogans that I've mm-hmm. had through all of the stuff that I've gone through and the diagnoses mm-hmm. and treatments and so on in the past five years is I accept no diminishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at every point, you know, where something has been cut away or, you know, if something has been, you know, not needed, um, mm-hmm. I've created wholeness for myself rather than focusing mm-hmm. on what's yeah. gone or what yeah. doesn't work. We are mm-hmm. very adaptable creatures. Mm-hmm. If your body is not making immunoglobin A, I bet it's mm-hmm. making T cells. I bet it's making NK cells. I bet it's making, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. many components to the immune system. Yeah. It's kind of like saying, oh, gosh, I don't have freckles. <laughs> right. Or my hair isn't curly. Or, you know. And mm-hmm. it's one of the difficulties of all the tests. Yeah. Because the tests are going to find deviations. Right. And then, yeah. then the desire is to write the deviation, but unfortunately, in the vast majority of cases, writing the deviation causes a further deviation. Yeah. And then you just are, you know, constantly picking up dominoes that keep falling over one after the other. Yeah, that's what it started to feel like, and I've never been in that position before. This is very exactly like when I went, when I went and said, you know, what are we going to do about my wound that won't heal? And mm-hmm. the plastic surgeon said, well, more surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And so, you know, to me, that that is like the the ultimate of modern medicine is that we're going to do more surgery to repair the damage that we did with the first surgery. And then there's going to be more surgery to repair the damage with the second surgery, and it just goes on and on. And so I gave them a bad no. And it sounds like you're about to give them a no as well. No, I'm going to deal with this on my own because I have friends, and some of those friends are green. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. having chronic ailments which I never had before it it put me in a really unfamiliar space of feeling so not holding my own ground and strong in myself because the symptoms were I couldn't connect to the symptoms I still can't but I will as I said my best guess is food poisoning I'm sorry say again my best 
guess is food poisoning. Oh, uh-huh. And what we know can happen is that even if you're not made very sick by the food poisoning, that mm-hmm. your immune system can get into a very alarmed state because of the, of the food poisoning mm-hmm. and continue mm-hmm. to be reactive even when there's not much to react against. And you get these kinds mm-hmm. of symptoms. Mm-hmm. Like an on, like a continual exposure to food poisoning, or it happened at all? Oh, no, it, these... no, it only had to be once. Uh-huh. And yeah. then your, your body thinks it's there, and so it's going to keep having frequent bowel movements to get rid of it. Uh-huh. Yeah, that first time I was sick, it was two weeks of, I mean, just I couldn't believe how much stuff was coming out of me. I was so, so sick, and I yeah. haven't been normal since. Exactly, exactly. But focusing on really well-cooked foods, using some slippery elm, drinking your nourishing herbal infusions, um, and moving yourself out of the fear cycle with modern medicine, I think it's going to be a winning combination for you. Yeah, it feels, sounds right. And coffee and alcohol. Give me a call back in four or five weeks and let me know how you're doing. I will. I sure will. I would appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Is it okay? Um, alcohol and coffee is off the table for me, probably. I don't. I don't see why you shouldn't have fewer than five cups of coffee a day. Mm-hmm. And I don't see why you shouldn't why. have. I don't see why you shouldn't have fewer than five drinks a week. Mhm. Okay. And the liver is, even though, you know, I when I have a glass of wine or a beer, my body the next day is wrecked from one glass. It, that's well, probably then maybe just you need I'm to in, not do I'm that, huh? If yeah, you feel wrecked, yeah. I mean, I don't drink because of that. Simply yeah. because of, you know, I see people drinking, and I think. I guess you're enjoying it, but I know how yeah. bad I'm going to feel tomorrow, and I, there's just yeah. no injury for me in the like present that. because I'm going to feel so wretched the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's just me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. So why go there, you know? Yeah. Not enough yep. fun for, the, for yeah. the price. That's true. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. All right. And we have one caller that has pressed one to raise their hand. And you are dialed in from the 212 area code. From the 212, you are live with Susan. Hello. It's Anne Inanna. Hi, Inanna. I'm so (laughs) glad you called. Oh, do I miss you. I'm afraid my (laughs) ailment is very similar to the last one. Is that too much? Should I call another time? It's not the same. It's not the same. You know, it happens almost all the time that themes develop. Okay. Well. Go right ahead. My, the diagnosis is chronic collagenous colitis. Very often just water, a constant, watery diarrhea, maybe seven times a day, 
And that has been going on since early October 21. This inflammation shows itself as no real formed stools. And I have to wear an adult diaper. I was given a steroid, a cortisone steroid, but it doesn't seem to be working. I have not tapered off it. But and I, since I don't have a gallbladder and haven't had one since 1980, I've been careful about um, the digestion of fats. And since I have a low-functioning thyroid, I've been thinking of that. But um, so I've been being careful not, not to have too much greasy food, nothing too cold, because that makes explosive diarrhea. And they recently noticed that I shouldn't be having gluten. I hope that's true. I don't know. But I do eat chicken, turkey, just the part that doesn't have a lot of fat, fish, eggs, kefir, yogurt. Um, I love kombucha, but I'm afraid I have to be careful. But kefir every day. So I'm getting some... uh, I loved your last call to think about frozen fruit, but I take nettle infusion every day. I make nettle infusion, so I have that wonderful. And I cook my vegetables. And, and what about the other infusions? The one that Comfrey. I do every day is, is I mean, the one I do constantly is nettle, but comfrey, no. I wrote that down just now, comfrey. One of the most important ones for anyone with gut issues. Okay. Comfrey is a huge healer of the gut, and it heals it fast. Good. Wonderful. I have no nausea, but I have um, an unsteadiness on my feet that is like a dizziness but not a vertigo. Just an unsteadiness upon standing that has accompanied this. But I want to, I just, I wasn't quite done. It's wonderful that you're drinking nettle infusion. I will make comfrey infusion. But but it's a symphony. Okay. The whole thing (laughs) works best if you do all of them. Good. So nettle one day, comfrey leaf another day, red clover another day, oat straw another day, linden another day. Violet leaf is another really important herb to help heal the gut. And marshmallow root is an important herb to heal the gut. So what I like to see is choose comfrey leaf or violet leaf or marshmallow root. And make one of those your main squeeze. Okay. So that it's always in the refrigerator and you always get some of it. Comfrey, violet leaf, and marshmallow. I'm sorry? Comfrey, violet leaf, or marshmallow. One of those three. Okay. So there's always a quart of that in the refrigerator ready for you to have at any time warm or cold. In addition to at, at least a cup of that a day, there'll be a quart of whatever infusion you're making for the day. Nettle, comfrey, oat straw, red clover, linden, 
Linden is a powerful anti-inflammatory. It's really important in inflammatory gut problems. All right. Thank you. Each one of these herbs has its own really important thing to offer. Red clover is a powerful astringent. will help stop diarrhea. Wonderful. So each of the five herbs in the rotation has things that it's known for, but each one of them also influences every system of the body. When used in a rotation, instantly and often, all of the body systems normalize and start to work together much more harmoniously. Wonderful. It's like an orchestra, as you said. It's like an orchestra. Also, again, what I was saying about food poisoning. And then the whole immune system is just like kind of up in arms even though the food poisoning isn't there any longer. In fact, they think that it's literally because the food poisoning isn't there that the immune system kind of runs amok. Yes. So you have enough experience and imagination and connection to... In whatever way you're going to do it, a visualization, a trance, a self-hypnosis, write a story, draw a picture, you're going to get in touch with your immune system and you're going to say, stop it, leave it be, calm down. Thank you. And I know that your immune system is going to respond to that. Yes, it will. And if you have to go inch by inch through your intestines, calming it down, I know that you will do that. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yes, it has been relying totally on stinging nettle infusion where I needed, as you said, uh, all the instruments in the orchestra. Yes, yes. I just completely left them out. <laughs> 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 How silly. I followed all the diet things you've said. That was so brilliant before. But I forgot the lovely plants. The plants, yes. And slippery elm, have you been working at all with slippery elm? No, I need it. In what form, please? I li- My personal preference is slippery elm mixed with honey. You mean slippery elm... In its powder, cyprium powder. Powder. And I put the cyprium powder in a bowl, and then I drizzle honey in it and mix it. And I, you know, mix it until it makes like a pie dough consistency. And if you've ever made pie dough, it's just like drizzling water into your flour and fat. You cut your fat into your flour. And now you're going to add cold water, and you're not going to just dump a bunch of cold water in there. You're going to add a little bit and mix, a little bit and mix, because it's really awful if you get too much water. You can't just add more flour. Got it. Till it's gooky. Till it's... uh, Till it's pie consistency, right? You don't want it gooky. You don't want it, like, all sloppy. Oh, And somebody said to me, gosh, I just can't seem to make them. And I said, well, how much honey do you pour in the cyprium? They said, oh, I always pour the cyprium in the honey. I said, ah, 
It's not going to work that way. You really have to pour the honey into the sabri, you know, bit by bit. Like right. you can't just dump your pie dough into the water, right? Right. Right. No, it's got to be the water's got to go into there, so the honey's got to go in. My Jean, my granddaughter, when she was six or seven, made a YouTube showing you how to make these balls. I also have one, but hers is better. Well, I can hardly wait to start the slippery elm. It is going to be so wonderful for and, you. And I will taper off this ridiculous steroid, and uh, and I will heal, and I will imagine. Yes, the, lin- the linden will take the place of the steroid, and it will it, it will be more effective than the steroid is being for you because you have a special ancestral connection to the linden. And may I ask why and, and what form the linden should take? I'm linden infusion oh, from infusion. the flowers of the linden tree. Okay, okay. Of course. Which here are blooming now, but it, down there are already past bloom. So I'll get them at uh, the store, at the herb store. There you go. Easy enough. Thank you. And and the flowers of the linden, the leaves of the comfrey, the red clover blossoms, the violet leaf. And I'm forgetting the marshmallow. Is marshmallow the root. Root. Thank you. Marshmallow root was a very good friend of mine when I was having gut issues. Okay. And I would take an ounce of marshmallow root, put it in a quart jar, fill it to the top of the boiling water, let it steep overnight. And then I would strain that and have that to drink. Good. And then I would put cold water on the marshmallow root that was left in the jar and put that in the refrigerator and by the time I had drunk the first quart of infusion the cold infusion would be ready. I get you. And the cold infusion has a lot of mucilage and a lot of healing things to the gut. Okay. Thank you, Susan. I love you, Inanna. My greenest, greenest beautiful blessings to you. Thank you, my dear. And I will also let you know how I'm doing in Thank five you. to six weeks, okay? All right. <laughs> Goody good. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye for now. <laughs> All right. And uh, we have one caller that has raised their hand, and you are dialed in from the 512 area code. From the 512, you are Susan. Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh, I must have accidentally put myself in the queue. I'm sorry. I That's actually okay. have a I have a question I could ask though. Um I was kind of pondering asking it and then I was thinking I would wait until uh next week and think about it. But um I guess I'm kinda of curious what your thoughts are on pap smears during pregnancy. Or in general, I guess. I'm a little unclear about why it would come up to have a pap smear during pregnancy. Um, And if for some reason um, it did and you felt uncomfortable about it, there's certainly no problem with putting it off. A pap smear is a basically the same experience as 
taking your fingernail and scraping the inside of your cheek. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it bleed, does it? It doesn't hurt your cheek, right? No. But you can look at your fingernail and you can see that there's a, a little bit of tissue. That's what pap smear does. It just collects that little bit of tissue. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Oh, there's I no reason not to have a pap smear while you're pregnant, but there's no reason to have a pap smear while you're pregnant either. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I just, so I'm pretty recently pregnant. I'm about 14 and a half weeks along approximately. And I met with a midwife. Um, you know, I was kind of interviewing a few different ones and, um, uh, she just asked me while we were sort of, uh, going over things when the last time I had had one was, and I don't know that she was saying I needed to get one right away. She just, um, when I told her that I hadn't been getting them, um, you know, she just said that she would definitely urge me to do that. And so I guess really I'm not 100% clear on whether she was going to urge me to do that now, you know, like if we start care together or if it was more like just, you know, if I were to say, um, that I'd rather wait until afterwards. I guess the reason why I would feel a little uncomfortable doing it during pregnancy is if in the event it came back abnormal, then all of a sudden I would be faced with all of these choices during pregnancy that I wouldn't really necessarily want to have to, like, I don't know. Well, that's what I was going to say. This is a test for cancer. Would you accept cancer treatment while you were pregnant? Probably not. So, right. again, as I said, no reason to do a pap smear while you're pregnant. Mhm. Yep. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Um, yeah. And then in general, I mean, I guess, you know, I kind of, I don't really recall why I decided not to have pap smears other than the same kind of reason. It's like, I just, I did have one that was abnormal when I was um, 18, I think, and then I went through the process of the cryogenic freezing technique that they use to remove the cells. And then I went in for a few more after that, and they were fine. And then I guess I just um, wasn't really sure how I felt about it. I, I kind of felt like um, it's sort of what you were talking about with the first caller, how you – once you kind of go down the path of searching for something and then it's like, um, if they find them. Totally different. different. Okay. She has unexplained symptoms. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a test here, which can detect a cancer, which could kill you. Mm Mm-hmm. We're not talking about going down any path. We're talking about regular pap smears. Whatever frequency you want, every year, every two years, every three years, the regular pap smears. If you're going to be sexually active, if you're not going to be sexually active, you probably don't need them. Okay, yeah, so then... Yeah, she mentioned like if every... you're pregnant, we're gonna assume that you had sex. 
yeah, <laughs> that would be true. <laughs> yeah, and probably not just once. No, yeah, no. I mean, I'm right. monogamous, but well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if you're in a monogamous situation, in an assured monogamous situation, and you have several normal pap smears, that most women let it slide. But again, it's very different than what we were talking about with somebody who has symptoms and she doesn't know what's causing them and they did some simple tests and couldn't find out and now they want to do more tests and then more tests and more tests to see what they can find out. That's not what we're talking about with the pap smear at all. Right. Yeah, I can see what you mean by that for sure. So then it's, there's nothing wrong with getting regular pap smears. In fact, it might be a good idea. <laughs> I think it's an excellent idea. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, I guess, I mean, I thought so at one time, obviously, because I was doing it, but then I guess I sort of just wasn't really sure about it. But, um, yeah, and I wasn't uncomfortable with the idea of getting one. I just thought maybe, yeah, like after the pregnancy would be better so that I wouldn't suddenly be in a situation where I felt. Uh, Compromised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I only have six months left, so, right. <laughs> you know, that's and I, My guess, I don't really know what's in anybody else's mind, but my guess is that she asked that as a way to gauge a woman's active self-care. Right, right. And she might also be using it as a way to gauge, you know, um, what kind of care are you going to be willing to accept? Right. Yeah. Um, so no, um, nobody, nobody wants to be midwife to a woman who needs to be transported. Who's going to hunt her down and refuse to be transported? Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a scary place to be. when someone needs help, but they're refusing it. And, you know, the, the kinds of emotional states that arise in people when they are going to refuse things like pap smears or immunizations or whatever it is, those are very difficult to change. Right. And so if you're going to be a helper, then you have to decide, you know, where where you, where you need to draw that line. My, when my sister was a midwife, she refused to take on as a client a woman who, would, who said that she had never in her life been naked. Because she didn't think that she would be able to successfully help her give birth. Did I get cut off? There's a sudden silence. No, I was just listening and then trying to. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, yeah, I was trying to wrap my head around how someone could never be naked, I guess. <laughs> but right, or, that you know, like, that's what yeah. my sister just like how well she went in the closet and changed from her clothes into her nightgown and got in bed and turned off the lights and got in bed with her nightgown. And so she and her husband did it in the dark, and then she pulled the nightgown down afterwards. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not opposed to it. I just kind of, yeah, was concerned about me. I'm I'm guessing that she wasn't saying you have to do this, but that she was using it as a question to gauge where you were. Right. Yeah, no, she specifically said it it was a choice, but that she would strongly urge me to do it because, um... Cervical cancer is a quiet cancer, is what she said. Correct. Mm. Well, I guess... Um, and, for the, and for the same reason, I urge anyone who's the mom of a teenager to get them vaccinated against human papillomavirus, which causes not only cervical cancer, but throat cancer and colorectal cancer, and I had human papillomavirus, colorectal cancer, and my mother died of it. And there's now a vaccine that prevents it. Yeah, I remember when that started, like, yeah, when that came out, I guess. And so... Yeah, it's mandated in England that those kinds of cancers that I just mentioned are now extremely rare. Whereas I know four people in the past five years who were diagnosed with human papillomavirus throat cancer. Two from the dead. So is that something that you recommend for, I mean, or that you would think would be good for, like, I mean, someone in their 30s to get as well? I mean... I don't think that they're letting people in their 30s get it at this point. Ah, Okay. It's still restricted to teenage years, although I think they're working up the data for older people. Ah, I see. Okay. It's pretty narrow age range, I think, that may have expanded a little, but I know they they are doing their best to open it up and to include more people in the range of who would benefit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ask. You might get more up-to-date information than I have. Right. Right. Mm. Well, I guess that was, I mean, that that's was the question. I'm glad that the you moment, yeah. <laughs> pushed one, and then we got to talk. Thanks, and green blessings. <laughs> Good night. Yeah, thank you. Green blessings. Good night. All right. And we've got about six minutes before we're joined by our guest. And we have one caller that has raised their hand from the 209 area code. From the 209, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. This is Julie from California. Hi, Julie. What's up tonight? Well, I have... I have uh, Two things I've been wanting to ask you, but I always seem to miss calling in on time. So the first one is um, 
I have this ongoing ear issue since um, January of 2020. I got very ill with uh, COVID-like symptoms, um, bad bronchitis, that sort of thing, cough. And I I got over it by taking antibiotic steroids and a strong cough syrup, but I was left with fluid behind my ear. And it progressed. It's been now two years, and I've gone to see an ENT many times because what's happened with this fluid is it's actually caused me to lose the hearing in that ear, my eardrum isn't vibrating anymore. So I was finally willing to, his suggestion was to put a tube in my ear. So since I was losing my hearing, I I went ahead and did that um, about a year ago. And the, the fluid drains out now, but I haven't regained my hearing. And his his advice is he keeps putting me on different antibiotics because he claims that having that much fluid in my ear means I have an infection. And the fluid doesn't look or smell like it's infected, but which I told him, but he said anytime you have that much fluid, it, it means it's an infection somewhere. So now his theory is that it's in my mast, the infection's in my mastoid, and he'd like to send me to a surgeon to open that up and clean it out. And I don't feel like, I feel like my eustachian tube's blocked for some reason. And can you, find your, can you find your eustachian tube from inside your mouth and massage it? No, I can't. I've tried. But with my finger? Yes. It's way up at the, toward the hinge of your jaw past your back teeth. In the palate? Or, or on the gum? It's on your gums, but on the palate side. Okay. Just feel so around it. It's, it's a small okay, little thing. Be... But you'll feel like okay. you kind of like zzz when you get it. And you okay. can, manipul- yeah. can manipulate it from inside your mouth and help to open that up. It seems to me like um, you would probably be able to help yourself with visualization and affirmation here. Okay. I think you that think you've done. Be... I think you've done. You know, mechanical, physical remedies, and that at this point, um, what your body needs is a very clear image from you as to what you want. Okay. Do you think it could be an age-related thing, like a breakdown of collagen? Because I'm assuming that the tube's made out of collagen, and I'm 65 years old, 
also, and my joints and my tendons and stuff feel much better when I take a collagen supplement. So I'm just wondering if it's an aging type thing. Are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions on a daily basis? I I do. In fact, I actually overdrink them. (laughs) I make two quarts a day. I hear you. I'm, so, I make a half a gallon a day, and I don't share them with anybody except anybody. Once in a that's while a little too much. Dog. That's a little too much fluid to be ingesting. Well, I do live in California, and it's over a hundred. Okay, right it's now, hot so. and dry. I hear you. I understand. But it's, so, I crave them. I just I, I crave. Yeah, I know they're so good. So really wonderful. I know, and I'm. I'm oh, I, like, I don't think I don't I, think you're causing any harm to yourself. Okay. By the amount of infusion okay. that you're drinking, I'm not worried. I don't think that's an over uh, consumption because you you are in a hot and dry area. So thank you for explaining that to us. Uh, you know, where I live, it's practically like being underwater. It's so wet. And uh, <laughs> you know, we it rained today, and we always tease what what comes down has to go up so the next days will be muggy as the moisture returns up to the sky yeah and uh, it's certainly not like that in california i remember my time at ucla and how dry it is there and even drier uh this year yeah right so thank you for your question thank you for calling and i'm going to wish you green blessings and bye-bye for now all right thank you green blessings All right, and Astrid and Leela are here in the queue. Okay, wow. And let me find this introduction. Well, I had it here, and now, of course, it has disappeared just when I need it. Let's try that and see if that comes up. Ha, 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 ha. That's the one we did last. <laughs> That's not the one we want. Okay. July 22nd. Uh, well, you know, I'm just going to introduce these women because I love them. And maybe I'll be able to find it. I don't know. Um, here comes Leela and Astrid. And Leela... And Astrid apprenticed either at the same time or near to the same time, and uh, it was 20 years ago, and they formed a bond that they have strengthened and nourished ever since. As I said at the beginning of the show, they helped to deliver each other's babies and are also um, ritual. They have recently decided that they are going to offer a year-long course. And they're going to 
tell us about that and share with us. I love both of these women so much, and I know they will forgive me for not being able to find the introductions that they had, and I'm going to keep looking, but I don't want to wait. I want them to start talking and share with us. Welcome, Astrid. I love you. Welcome, Leela. I love you. Hi. Thank you. Hi, hi, hi. (laughs) I love you, Susan. (laughs) (laughs) So, here it is. Ta-ta-ta. It was an instantly deep and profound sisterhood between Astrid and Leela over 20 years ago when they first met in the herb garden. They can do their love of plants and their commitment to ceremony. They have sat in sacred circle countless times, attended each other's births, and were initiated into their truth path as daughters of the earth by the same mentor, Susan Weed. In the spirit of calling the circle of women, Astrid and Leela are birthing an apprenticeship opportunity, a year-long deep dive into the skills of living in sisterhood as daughters of the earth. So, what inspired the two of you to create this? <laughs> well, we've been together in our uh, relationship recently since we moved away from each other for part of these 20 years that we've been connected. And then we moved back to near each other in Colorado here and have been resuming our way of being together, which is cooking really amazing food and gathering the plants and making medicine and doing ceremony together. And um, and then we created the Red Earth Herbal Gathering the first two years together. And with the spirit of gathering the women and this natural inspiration that we have, we've started to envision bringing the women together in um, – this apprenticeship uh, container. What else would you want to add, Astrid? Yeah, I just, I'll, I'll just tell a little story kind of about my day. I was with a woman in my office. I do, I'm a midwife and I do my abdominal therapy and just, I just like to be with women and sit with women and support women with unconditional love in their journeys. And there was this, woman with me and she was menstruating and she was feeling shame around the fact that she just wanted to do nothing today, you know, but read her book and lay around. And, you know, I was able to really support her and say, well, this is going to be your moon lodge. This is going to be your red tent this time with me. And we're going to do this beautiful ceremony and support you to, you know, just let yourself unfold into your divine feminine. And I just, it made me think of what we're creating with the wise woman sisterhood, because I just, I feel so grateful for the coming of age experience that I had with you, Susan, and with you, Leela. And there are so many women, probably the vast majority of women on the planet that haven't had this experience and I just see it every day in my life. And Leela and I are, are inspired to create this sacred space that women can come into to have their rite of passage anytime during their life, whether they're young like we were or older, a safe space, you know, to learn, to learn what it is to be a woman on this earth. Hmm. Tell us more about how you're going to create that safe space. 
is it in person? Is it limited to women in Colorado? Is it going to be virtual? It's a mixture. So we're going to gather four times a year in person around the high holidays. And then we'll gather, I think, I don't remember exactly, probably Leela remembers, I think four times online. And then just intermittently throughout the year in support. And then we'll finish our year together at Red Earth. So being at Red Earth Herbal Gathering, the Mountain West Women's Herbal in September is going to be sort of the, I don't know, graduation or just completion piece. The grand finale. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's often come up, you know, at Red Earth where Leela and I are like, wow, it would be awesome to have a bunch of women that apprenticed at Susan's to hold this with us, you know, just like super powerful women who understand the ways, you know. And so we're like, hey, let's create that together. Yes. Um, exactly. Yeah. Create that together. Mm-hmm. Leela, I would love for you to talk about, like, some of the specific things we're going to bring to the women if you are feeling called. Yeah. Yeah, so we're right, we're going to meet on the high holidays, so the eight holidays of the pagan calendar around those times, um, usually on weekends, because that seems to be more available for people in general. Um, and we'll have the four that are going to be together. So we're going to, we're going to do a three-day weekend when we're when we get together and then for the time and then we'll do a virtual live day. Um, that will be, you know, a few hours of time together. Um, and so when we gather uh, in person, we're going to create um, a ceremonial container to carry us through the whole weekend. And within that framework, we'll be um, living a lot of things that we're transmitting. So we'll have some... Uh, so teachings, for example, teachings on nourishing ourselves through food, we'll be cooking together. We'll go and gather in the seasons when that um, various seasons, we'll gather what we can from the wild and bring that into our food and, um, and teach by example and living the ways. Um, and so we'll create these sacred spaces, um, also through gathering in circle, so initiating the weekend by gathering in a circle, finishing by gathering in a circle, um, and that is showing the wholeness of, our, of each of us and our connection all together. Um, and so really welcoming everyone as their unique self into the experience. Um, so we'll be cooking nourishing food, and it's gonna, all going to be seasonal depending on on a lot of the specifics that we do. But each time that we gather, we'll do ceremony, we'll do we'll cook, we'll prepare some medicine, um, and we'll do some kinds of journeying. Like in the winter, it will do more journeying with dream time and turning inward at the cold in where we're going to be holding this in Colorado, it will be cold, um, turns us inward. And then in the summer, we'll be out and journeying with the plants and um, 
and we'll have aspects of um, learning how to work with our minds and being really present and awake to our experience. So we're really embracing our full experience um, and embracing our womanhood. So like Astrid was saying, this, <laughs> women will feel, oh, I really want to rest on my when I'm on my moon. And then um, this experience will really be creating this culture of it is wonderful and powerful to embrace that we want to, what we need when we're going through the different cycles of the month. And then some women, women will be on that leading time and they will also be welcome in going through their experience. But to really live in, in, the, in tune with our bodies and our cycles and honor that as fundamentally important for the functioning of the world, really. Uh, empowering that feels really important to me because our society asks us to not, to kind of shove it away most of the time. Like potentially that woman was experiencing, always, we always have to be productive. So this will really be an experience of allowing women to listen to their bodies and be in their cycles. Yeah, that's some some of the things we'll cover. Sometimes, if you haven't really experienced living in this kind of intense way with women and doing ceremony in this way, it's hard to imagine that a few days out of the year could really make a difference. But I have heard it year after year and over and over again that even as little as a couple of days together in this kind of environment with women makes an enormous difference in a woman's life. It's a very precious opportunity that you are offering. Is there a limit to the number of women that are going to be in, in this group? We're thinking, um, did we say 10 at first, Astrid? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> We've talked about this, and we're, you know, it's, we want it to be a um, semi-intimate. I think we don't want to do many yeah. less than five. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was like five. I think we said five to 11, so that with the two of us, it would be 13. That's what I'm remembering. So it would be that kind yeah. of magical number of 13. But yeah, we want it to be intimate, you know, especially after so many years of holding such large gatherings, like the idea of just having a few women deep in and deeply connect and support each other on our, you know, unique journeys just feels like a really good supportive number. Um, and I also just wanted to say just kind of in follow up to what Leela was saying a minute ago is it's always sort of, mm, I don't know what the right word is, but I'm always sort of amazed at just how the women, like the younger women coming up now um, are learning most things through social media. You know, it's like they're learning about plants. They're learning about ceremony. Even they're learning about nutrition through social media, which is really a true blessing in many ways because the information is more accessible to everybody. Um, but there's some major pieces that are missed with that kind of 
learning, you know, it's, um, you know, I've, I've been in circles where I light some charcoal to burn some herbs and the women are, are like, Oh, that's how you do that. You know, I see them burning in the images, but I don't really know that you light it and put it outside and let it burn down and then bring it in and add the herbs. You know, it's just, it's the things that we all learn through the many, many years of doing doing ceremony of cooking food of nourishing ourselves and each other of making plant medicines um so we get really excited about just like having women together and having fun and learning and teaching each other and being in support of actually learning in the flesh you know what what all of these bits and pieces are that come together to be wise women you know Sounds like a great size. <laughs> yeah. Is there is there going to be like a application process? Yeah, we want yeah. So um, we have right now our landing page under the um, the wisewomansisterhood dot com. And right now you can sign up to email us, and pretty soon we'll have a more full website. After you email us, we're going to send you um, a written aspect of the application, and there's also going to be an interview for everybody. So we'll we'll speak live together. And the idea is to really make sure that that the woman is ready for this particular container. And we can tell some more details about what's happening to make sure it's what she's envisioning and calling in and what we're also calling in in terms of um, participants and, and who feels like they're ready for this. So. And say again where they can get in touch with you for vacation. So um, thewisewomansisterhood.com is our uh, website. And it's a simple landing page right now, and then really soon we'll have the solar website up. All right. So anybody who's interested can ask for that application. And then if they continue to be interested, there are more pieces to do um, so that you are not just gathering a group of the first women who apply, but a group of synchronous women, women who are at um, um, level of interest, desire, and commitment that will work well together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What kind of time commitment do you think a woman should have to be able to do this work with you? want to answer after I'll go ahead so um, wait something's echoing I think hopefully it'll go away Um, basically our idea so between the four weekends that are um, together and then the four days that are going to be live but virtual in between that we're going to have um, kind of like homework so we're, and we're going to put women together in pairs to work together on some of these 
at-home assignments that are going to be seasonally guided. So time commitment would be in person, would be the three days, and then um, one, one, and then the other four times are going to be basically put reserve the day. And then in between, I would say something like, what would it be? Between 15 minutes to an hour daily, depending on what day. So we'll have a, some kind of meditation practice to uh, bring in awareness and ground into the body daily that will encourage or um, stand on the earth with bare feet, this kind of thing, daily, um, in between each of the times that we meet, and then, um, and then some potentially more extensive times when they're checking in with their um, partner that might take more like an hour in one of the days of the week or maybe even just in a month. So, yeah, is that somewhat of a time, somewhat of an idea of the time commitment. Yeah, it's one of those things like so, you get so out of it. It sounds like the, the, this is something for um, a woman who wants to make a daily commitment as well as a larger time frame commitment to two to in-person or four in-person meetings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after it's what four in-person meetings. It's four, four in-person, in-person meetings. meetings and four mm-hmm. virtual meetings. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like it's the kind of thing, like, you'll get out of it what you put into it. You know, like, if you're doing, you know, when we were at your place and, you know, all day we were in it, you know, <laughs> we were in the experience of being at the Wise Women Center and always learning and deepening into ourselves and into our power as women and um, being in sisterhood with the other women there and with you and the land and the plants. And so being that we're not like a live-in kind of apprenticeship seems really important that women do make a commitment to a daily practice, you know, and um, so it doesn't need to be, you know, all-consuming, but I think the the daily practice is what's going to really um, settle it into everyone's systems in a deep way. I know that's true for me, you know, and so much of it is about making that commitment to ourselves, you know, like I'm worth 10 minutes a day, you know, to tap into myself and to connect it can be so hard in this modern construct. Like even just myself, I was, you know, in my midwifery office all day today. I got home with very little time before hopping on here. And I went outside and I connect and I, I just allowed myself to deepen into my body, to feel my feet on the earth, to put my hands on my womb. And I heard a hummingbird and I looked and there was a hummingbird and the comfrey flowers and my just I just lit up with a huge smile and that was all of two and a half minutes it completely changed my experience and so yeah just giving lots of opportunity for us to realize how 
we can define our experience and the tools to do that with our collective experience in our lives, you know. Um, I know both of you have heard my story of having a deep experience with Cronewort and before I even came to you, Susan, and what she told me was that one of my great purposes in life is to gather the women together. And that was over 20 years ago. And I've, I've just seen it again and again, the potency, there's just a simpleness of women being together with intention. And so this is another one of, for me in my life, the unfoldings of that knowing of my purpose is to gather women together with the intention of, you know, whatever we're intending. So with the wise woman sisterhood, the intention is to create a space for women to come into themselves, into their power, to learn how to be um, healthy and whole, to nourish themselves. I mean, basic nutrition, basic how to make food, you know, like these are really basic things that a lot of women have never learned how to create ceremony, how to be in ceremony, how to be vulnerable, how to connect your self to the earth, to each other, songs, singing songs together, you know, doing dreaming together, just all, all the amazing things. And it just feels like such a gift. Witnessing each other. Mm -hmm. Yes. One of the really untalked about things that we get from women's circle is to be witnessed, to be seen. I'm really excited. I'm just, I'm just thrilled to be doing this with you, Leela, and to be carrying on the the teachings that you have so generously passed to us and to be able to carry that on and continue it forward in this, in this way that feels accessible, you know? Um, Yeah. More than ever, it is required that we stand up and say, there is woman's culture. And this is what it looks like. And this is what it feels like. There was a woman here for the Greenwich holiday who um, had grown up in a family with brothers and had um, two sons herself and um, was so astonished at how she felt in the circle of women and what rose up in her. And uh, I remember being in a situation where it was a little tense, but I thought I was okay until I went to the next place and somebody opened her arms and hugged me and I just fell apart and realized how incredibly tense I had been in the previous situation. And I think that that, I see that often happen for women, that they're not really aware of how much tension they have um, around being able to be a woman until they have 
the freedom and the right to do it in a safe woman's space, which you two are so beautifully providing. Thank you. So beautiful. This is the first time that we've, like, publicly spoken about this. And it's so perfect that it's with you, Susan. I was really feeling, (laughs) thinking about coming to this, that it's almost like receiving your blessing to do this. I do indeed (laughs) bless you and every woman who holds space for a woman's circle, who um, stands up for women and for women's culture. And I want to remind you that for every woman who manages to come to your event, there are ten who want to come. And I know you know that, Astrid, about Red Earth. Mm-hmm. I know you've heard women say, oh, I've been working for this many years to get here. Uh-huh. So it, it is not just what you're doing in the women who come, but the fact that there's a space that other women can envision being in, even if they're not right mm-hmm. there, right? It's a very large and very beautiful piece that you are weaving and offering a real safety net. Yeah, that really makes me think about just the connection that I continue to have with with the women that I was at the Wise Women uh, the Wise Women Center, your your home with, and different other you know, potent experiences that I've had, how those relationships continue on through the years because we've shared something so deep and profound and real and, you know, it, it like, it like binds us together. And that's something else that I feel excited about with this is like creating a space for women to have long lasting, deep connection and sisterhood you know and that's part of where the sisterhood comes from it's like yes we're doing this one year thing but my hope and intention is that it's something that continues on for this women in their lives you know after that they can stay connected and creates a, a sisterhood of these women just like you've created that with all of us who have gone through our shamanic apprenticeship with you we're all connected in a very unique way and we have deep respect and love for each other. So. Yes. And that you, uh, that you, Astrid, and you, Leela, are still sharing the sisterhood that you found 20 years ago, and not just sharing it with each other, but now sharing it with the larger group of women. So tell us one more time how to get in touch with you. So the, it's the wise woman sisterhood. Dot com. The wisewomansisterhood.com. We are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. It is a safety net. It is a warm blanket. It is a beautiful shawl that we dance in. It is a piece of material that we can hold our babies close in. It is a sacred weaving. The healing cloak of the ancients shines and glimmers and becomes stronger and stronger with every 
thread and every weaving we add to it. Thank you, Astrid and Leela, the wise woman sisterhood, for the extraordinary threads you're bringing to this healing cloak. And thank you, Sarah Ellen and Astrid and Leela, for helping me with my grand plan of restoring herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. <laughs> Green blessings <laughs> are everywhere. May it be so. May it be so. May it 